It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You found the place to escape from reality. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Enjoys movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show, Golden Age of Radio Tribute. I'm your host, Patrick Riley. After this Golden Age of Radio production, please visit our website, RileyandKimmy.com, for other Golden Age of Radio tributes. Also on our website, daily podcasts that include conversation about nostalgia and retro topics with trivia. Please like our Facebook page and share with your friends. Our daily podcasts are available via iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, and on our website and Facebook pages. Time now for Armchair Adventures. I've been expecting you, and you're right on time. I have a story for you, a story of the king of the great walled city of Kilani in far-off Burma. Now, King Waribo was a good king, as kings go. But there was one thing he could not stand, and that was for anyone to laugh at him. That's why he flew into such a rage when his brother sent him a gift. The gift was an animal called Sadu. But you see, Sadu was a large, white elephant. Yes, it's time for Armchair Adventures. Tales of crime, mystery, romance, and comedy. Now, here's your storyteller, Marvin Miller, and armchair adventure, The White Elephant. Waribo glanced out of the grilled window of his palace and moaned. Out in the enclosure, stamping around in the warm sun, was Sadu. Sadu, a white elephant. A worthless, expensive, burdensome white elephant. The little king gritted his teeth. Someday he would get even with his brother, that worthless, conniving, tricking brother of his. What a left-handed gift this was. His brother had never been worth anything, and this elephant was just like him. He shuddered as he realized how much food it would take to feed the big hulking beast. It would ruin him. And everybody was beginning to laugh. He had to put a stop to that right away. Out on the rim of the forest, he could see the work elephants lifting teak wood logs in their strong trunks, rolling them toward the wooden wagons. Those animals were useful. They earned their keep. But that specimen out there gleaming in the sun... (laughs) Waribo turned away. Honorable Sadu, 
We have made up our royal mind. We shall shoot you. He paused and ran his fingers through his beard. No, no, but wait. A king must do a thing like this with caution and diplomacy. We must figure out a way to point laughter at somebody else. Yes. Waribo will be munificent, generous, charitable. Waribo will bestow the honorable white elephant on a friend. <laughs> so he gathered all the leaders of the city together at his court. They stood around the richly furnished room, their faces smiling beneath their snow-white turbans. The king rose to his full height. A sly smile played around his lips, for this was the supreme moment. He would choose the worst swine of the lot and make an official presentation to him before all of them. That would teach them to laugh at their exalted ruler. His eyes shifted around the room. Finally, they lit on Karo Hasid, a man he detested with all the hatred he was capable of holding. There was the man. Ah, <laughs> yes. The king was about to speak when Karo Hasid stepped forward. Your Majesty, we of your people wish to honor our king. Waribo's eyes were puzzled. What was this all about? Yes, go ahead. Knowing your Majesty's recent good fortune in becoming the owner of a handsome white elephant, we have fashioned a silver mounting for it, and we present it to you now. He clapped his hands. A native boy hurried in and laid the gift at the feet of the little king. For a moment, the monarch saw red, and the veins stood out on his throat. It was a trick, a trick to keep him from disposing of the elephant. The impertinence of these infidels, these donkeys. He was about to speak again when they all bowed out. Karo Hasid leaned forward. Your Majesty, we trust you will have much happiness with the elephant and with our gift to you. Peace be with you. And then the devils were gone. The king clenched his fists. They were laughing at him. They were laughing at him. In a purple rage, he grabbed a whip and hurried to the enclosure outside the palace. The elephant looked at him out of his little pig-like eyes and bobbed his head up and down in friendly fashion. You ugly, hulking tub of fat! Waribo lashed the animal in fury, but the elephant did not move. The king was breathless as he beat the poor beast. Get out of here! Get out of the city! Out of my palace yard! Go sing in the lake! But... Get out of here! He stepped away breathless, his energy spent. But the animal didn't budge. His heavy legs remained rooted to the ground like tree trunks. The king summoned his last strength, and again the whip rang against the smooth white body of the giant elephant. Go away! Go away! Get out of my sight, you son of the devil, you white monstrosity! Suddenly a hand reached out, and firm fingers stopped him. Don't do that. Stop it. The king turned around. Who dared stop the king of Kilani? He looked into the face of a man past middle age, an Englishman or an American, with a hard but friendly face, old but curiously strong and powerful looking. If, who are you? How dare you stop our hand, the hand of the king? I don't care who you are, mister. Just let me tell you something. You'll never train an animal to do anything that way. How dare you speak so? Listen, partner, I know what I'm talking about. I was an animal trainer for many years. Now, just watch me. The king began to smile. Maybe this was his chance to dispose of the elephant. Americans were all fools. Very well, Saeed. Hand me the whip, will you? The newcomer took the whip and tossed it over the fence. The king was about to protest when the animal trainer spoke again. Uh, what's the animal's name? Shadu. 
The man walked over and softly ran his hand along the elephant's side. At first the beast trembled. Then it responded to the caressing touch of kind fingers. The king stood off slightly amused, for this madman was actually talking to the beast, talking to him in low, understanding tones. Hello, Sadhu. You're a handsome fellow. Old Bill's your friend. You and I are going to be great pals. The animal's eyes blinked. Then he seemed to nod, and his trunk rubbed softly against the man's wide back. Old Bill turned to the king. You uh, wanted to get him out of his stockade, right? Baribo nodded. Well, just watch me. He strode over to the entrance. Sadu, old fella, come here. Come, follow old Bill. The animal waddled toward the entrance without the slightest hesitation. You see? The king started toward the gate, preparing to close it to shut the elephant out. But old Bill had started his second trick. Now, sir, just watch. He walked back into the stockade. Sadu, here, fella. The animal turned and shuffled back into the enclosure. You see, Mr. King, the animal even comes back into his prison where he's been beaten, if you have the right approach. But that, Sahib, is because he does not have any wisdom. He is one big tub of ignorance. No, no, I don't think so. But, well, so long. I'll, I'll be seeing you. Waribo reached out a hand. He mustn't let this man get away. It might be his chance to get rid of the white elephant. Wait, Sahib. For this lesson, Waribo, me, would like to invite you to partake of the food. Uh, you will dine with me, the king, yes? Old Bill shrugged. Why not? It wasn't often a poor traveler was invited to dine with a royal monarch, even if the kingdom was only a two-bit one. At dinner, Waribo maliciously and cunningly laid his plans for the disposal of the elephant. This American was the perfect, uh, how you call it, sucker. Old Bill, in turn, related his story to the gimlet-eyed king. Gordon's my name. Old Bill, they call me. I was an animal trainer for a long time back in the good old USA. Played in circuses, you know, big time. But they fired me last year, said I was too old. So I started to wander around because I wanted to see what made the world tick. And here I am. You, uh, like the animals, huh? Yes, King, I do. I found them better friends and a lot more intelligent than most human beings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eh, Saib like animals, Waribo like Saib. Sadu like Saib. So Waribo gives Sadu the white elephant to new friend. How do you like this? Well, you, you mean you want to give me that elephant for keeps? For good? Yes. Waribo give it to you for gift. Well, gee, thank you. I can't say I've ever had an elephant given to me before. <laughs> Thanks a lot. For weeks, the joke of the court was the stupid American who had taken the white elephant into the forest with him. The king boasted to all his subjects of his devilish cleverness. But old Bill and Sadu didn't know anything about this. Together in the lush green forest, they romped and played, became friends, and shared their thoughts and pleasures. Bill would talk to Sadu, talk to him not as to an inferior animal, but as a man talks to a man. Bill rode on Sadu's smooth white back, and they skirted the forest, the leaves of the trees brushing Bill's head like garlanded wreaths. They would swim together in the cool forest lake. And once again, Bill felt young. Young in the sunshine and the cool shade. Young in this new, unusual companionship. Each day, they journeyed to the city for food. The king willingly gave them provisions, anxious to keep his joke alive. But then one day, when Bill was in the palace visiting the king, there was a sudden rumbling of the earth. At first, low and menacing. Then the buildings with their marble columns began to shake. The very palace of the king began to tremble. Men and women ran out into the streets, and...
and the donkeys and work elephants stampeded toward the forest. Out in the courtyard, only Sadu remained. Sadu, the white elephant, waiting patiently for his master, in spite of the shivering earth and its threats of destruction. The king, frantic, turned to Bill. Run! Run for your life! The old gods speak beneath the earth. The palace will fall. His cloak swirled around his legs as he ran down the long hallway. Bill called out to him. Wait! Where are you going? My jewels! My jewels! The precious treasure of Kirani are in the North Tower! I must save them! He disappeared up the winding stairway and Bill hurried toward the courtyard. Just as he reached the entrance, the stairs collapsed in a rending and tearing of timber and crumbling stone. That was all Bill remembered. Up in the tower, King Waribo called in vain above the din of the earthquake. Help me! Get me out! The stairs are no more! I'm trapped! Save me! He seized the bars of the grill in the treasure room and looked down helplessly into the courtyard far below. The only sign of life was the blundering form of Sadu, the useless white elephant. Even in his despair, Waribo reflected that the animal was too stupid to leave the doomed city, in spite of the weaving earth and crumbling walls. Sadu was diligently at work uprooting a massive pile of debris just below the tower. The king cursed the animal for his utter stupidity. He was a white elephant indeed. But then he gasped, for Sadu had uncovered the stricken figure of old Bill. Tenderly, the elephant lifted the man onto his broad, wide back and triumphantly bore him out of the city to safety. You know, religious beliefs are closely connected with the family life of Americans. To many people, the strong ties which bind them to their families are caught up in the memories of religious teaching in the home. But faith in any religion is recognized as the equal right of every American citizen. We have over 250 different denominations. The existence of so many denominations is a basic example of democracy at work. Freedom of worship is one of our rights. And as citizens, we recognize our two responsibilities. First, to know what our rights are. And second, to defend those rights. This is Marvin Miller inviting you to join us again at the same time for another armchair adventure. Don't be late. I'll expect you right on time. Armchair Adventures is a transcribed Columbia Pacific production. Waiting for you. And you're right on time. I have a story for you. A story of a boy and a dream come true. Tommy Williams sat alone in a railroad coach, his face pressed against the window, thrilling to every new sight. Already were forgotten the long days in a hospital bed, the endless struggle for new life. For now he was being sent west to live on a real ranch and begin his greatest adventure. And now, here's your storyteller, Marvin Miller, with tonight's armchair adventure, West is West. 
Tommy Williams' eyes were filled with the sight of green fields flashing by the train window, his ears still ringing with the goodbyes of his only family, the kids at school, his heart bubbling over with the wonder of what was happening. He was being sent west to live on a real ranch. Even the pain in his chest seemed easier to bear. And although he was dizzy with the excitement of it all, he couldn't close his eyes and rest for fear of missing some thrilling sight. That's how he happened to meet Grinner Martin. There was nothing very remarkable in Grinner's appearance as he came through the door from the vestibule and walked up the aisle, taking the sway of the car in stride. But what Tommy's sharp eyes saw immediately were the slant-heeled boots Grinner had on his feet and the wide-brimmed hat he was carrying in his hand. Then his head snapped up and he looked into Grinner's face. Oh, oh gosh, mister. Gee, I'm sorry if I was staring... Grinner was smiling down at him in frank amazement. Shucks, not at all, son. <laughs> Why, do you mind if I sit here a spell, or was you expecting somebody else? No, Tommy wasn't expecting anybody else, and he eagerly made room for his guest. Kind of glad to find somebody to talk to. I reckon you know how it is. Sort of a stranger to things like this, I am. You do a lot of traveling? Gosh, this is the first time i ever been anywhere. Well, that's about the way it is with me, too. See, my boss sent me back here to see about some horses for a rodeo they're going to have up in Albany. Tommy had just been waiting for an opportunity to bring the conversation around to something like that, and he didn't miss his chance. Gee, that's swell. I knew you were from the West. There was a twinkle in Grinner's eyes as he answered, Shucks, did you? Somebody must have told you. Tommy laughed as Grinner went on. Anyhow, it's sort of a lucky thing we met. What with you and me going to be neighbors, sort (laughs) of. Where are you going? It's a ranch, a great big one. It's near Flagstaff in Arizona. Hey, wait a minute. Flagstaff, you ain't going to Longman's. Tommy nearly burst with amazement. Why, sure, sure, that's where I'm going. That's it. Grinner held out a huge hand. Well, by jingo, put her there, partner. I work for Longman. You and me is really going to be neighbors. From then on, Tommy was an ever-flowing fountain of questions about life in the West, and Grinner was ever patient in answering. For example, there was the time they talked about Indians. Gosh, that's one thing I do know a little bit about, Indians... Gee, I read all about them. Father Calligan, he's our teacher. He got me lots of books, all about their sign language and all. I know all that stuff by heart. Sure enough, huh? Well, that's mighty fine. You know, one of my best pals was an Indian when I was a kid. Fact is, one day he saved my life. Shot a big old rattler just about to get me. Tommy's eyes sobered, and he heaved a big sigh. Gosh. Oh, gosh, I wish I could do something like that, too, sometime. Maybe if I get well. Looking into Tommy's white face, it was hard for Grinner to be casual. Oh, what do you mean, maybe? Well, you'll be as good as new in a few weeks. Gee, oh, gosh, Mr. Grinner, if I could... If I could just do something like that engine did... Listen, cowboy, you'll be doing things he never dreamed of. But whatever pleasures Tommy did anticipate were doubled when at last they did arrive at Longman's. The weeks went by and put pounds over Tommy's skinny ribs and baked color into his pale cheeks. Grinner watched with satisfaction. 
But most of all, he was happy because Tommy had almost forgotten his sickness. And Grinner knew that was the one thing that could put him back on the road to health. But one day, Tommy had gone down to the corral to look at some new horses brought in the day before. He was leaning over the corral fence, calling to a lively pinto, when Pete Corey, one of the hands, walked up beside him. Yeah, what are you doing, kid? Getting in the way again? Tommy had never had a particular liking for Corey, but above all, he had tried not to be in the way. Oh, gosh, Mr. Corey, I was only looking. I didn't know I was in the way. Corey unlatched the corral gate. Yeah, well, you are in the way. Don't know why old Longman ever let you come out here in the first place. The blood began rushing through Tommy's veins, and little needles were stabbing at his lungs. Mr. Longman's glad to have me here. He told me so himself. Corey turned and leered at him. Oh, sure. He says that just to be nice to you. Everybody tries to soft-soap people like you. Tommy's anger gave way to a deep sense of hurt. Why, I don't know what you mean. Corey faced him squarely, and there was a look of satisfaction in his eyes. Ah, don't give me that stuff. You know why people are nice to you? Because you're sick, awful sick. Because in a few months you're going to... The word froze in his throat, and Tommy's eyes followed Corey's gaze. Grinner was standing there, looking as Tommy had never seen him look before. Tommy, go on up to the house. Tommy hesitated. Go up to the house, kid, and fast. Tommy went without further protest, and neither man spoke till he was out of sight. Then Corey growled, Well, what's eating you, Martin? Grinner's words came slowly and evenly. Corey, I ought to shove them teeth of yours down your throat. Oh, yeah? Real tough hombre, aren't you? <laughs> Grinner's hand flew up and clutched Corey's shirt front. You're getting out of here. You understand that, Corey? You're leaving this part of the country for good. What are you talking about? Me get out of here? Why are you talking like a fool, Martin? Am I? Well, I'm just fool enough to kill you if I ever see that face of yours again. You get that, Corey? I'll kill you! Corey could tell that Grinner was deadly serious. And he knew, too, that Grinner wasn't a man to make threats he didn't mean. And that night when Chow was dished up, Corey wasn't at the table. Grinner answered questions about him cautiously. Corey, uh, nope. I ain't seen him since this afternoon. Probably just took a notion to meander on. You know, guys like Corey come and go. Tommy looked at Grinner questioningly. As Mr. Longman, the ranch owner, answered, Yeah, well, I hope he is gone. Nobody's gonna miss him. Only thing, though, uh, what about his fence-riding shift? Oh, I'll take that. That is, of course, if Corey don't come back. Nothing more was said about it, and the following morning, Grinner saddled up to take Corey's place for a few long days of following the fences. Tommy was there to see him off, and Grinner couldn't help noticing the worry in his face. Oh, look, kid, it's all right about Corey, see? Just don't say nothing to nobody, that's all. Grinner, I'm... I'm scared. I I don't know why, but I'm, I'm scared. Oh, that's no way to talk. Look, I'll be back before you know it. I'll be watching for you, Grinner. I'll be watching all the time. Grinner called a goodbye and rode off down the valley. At the spring, he picked up the fence and found he'd taken on more work than he'd bargained for. By noon, he was only a few miles from home and very hungry. 
There was an abandoned cabin not far away, and he headed there to make himself some coffee and warm some chow. He was crouched at the old fireplace, trying to coax some life into the fire and thinking about Tommy, when he was conscious of movement behind him. He turned quickly to look directly into the eyes of Pete Corey. Then Grinner's glance dropped to the forty-five in Corey's hand. <laughs> well, ain't this cozy? Corey! Yeah, Corey. Seems to me you were gonna do something if you ever saw me again, huh, tough hombre? You're drunk, Corey. And you're acting like you was loco. Corey's face hardened. Loco, huh? Not loco enough to forget you and me's got a score to settle? Yeah, and you was the one that was going to kill me. He moved the gun forward to make his meaning clear. Grinner spoke through his teeth. Look, Corey, they'd catch you sure they'd string you up. Oh, no. Not if you was to die accidental. Not if this place was to catch you on fire tonight while you was sleeping. And meanwhile, you and me's going to have a little party. Yeah, I'm hungry. Get me some grub. There was nothing for Grinner to do. Corey stepped up and relieved him of his gun, and then prodded him to work over the fire. Grinner fumbled with the pans, and once nearly put the fire out in his nervousness, Corey was impatient. Come on, come on, what's the matter with you? You're clumsy as a day-old colt. Grinner's eyes were traveling rapidly. There must be some way he could get Corey off guard. But even when the food was done and Corey fell to it, his eyes never once left Grinner, and his finger never left the trigger of his gun. The hours of the afternoon went slowly by. Then at last the moment Grinner had been waiting for arrived. He got to his feet and faced Corey. The game's up, Corey. Look behind you. Ah, uh, you don't figure on me falling for an old dodge like that. Okay, you're going to find out real soon. How about it, Mr. Longman? The sneer disappeared from Corey's face, for at that moment a voice came from behind him. Grinner's right, Corey. Drop that gunner, you'll never hold another. Corey whirled as if he'd heard a ghost. <laughs> His gun was spitting fire. Grinner leaped forward onto Corey's back. From the doorway, a half dozen men plunged inward to complete the job. A few seconds later, Corey was pinned to the floor, helpless as a rope dogie. Hey, just luck, Martin. Just dirty luck. Grinner was standing over him with one hand clamped over a bleeding forehead. Oh, no, Corey, not luck. This time it was brains. Brains of a kid who wanted to be a real Westerner. And he is, too. Ah, uh, what are you talking about? I'll tell you. You thought I was clumsy over that fire, didn't you? Well, maybe you never heard of engine smoke signals, Corey. But Tommy has. And he knew enough to answer my signals for help. You've been listening to Armchair Adventures. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, 
Be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.